You know, it had been a few months since my brother had come and, and given us the news. And it got, it got to the point where I, I really just, I couldn't take it anymore, so I decided it was time to do something. It was time to, to get into the game, to roll up my, my sleeves and, and actually see what was out there. And you might be asking me, why? Well, why would you take that step of faith? Why would you leave your circle of comfort to do something? Well, it was those, those words of, of Moses that just kept playing in my head over and over and over again. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you're exiled people or at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. You see, it was at the point where I just couldn't shake it. I wasn't just sad anymore. I wasn't just sorrowful. My heart just didn't ache. It wasn't just broken. I was done just being convicted about doing something, and I decided that now was the time for me to take the biggest step than I could have ever imagined. And so that, that morning, I, I remember I, I splashed some water on my face, trying to hype myself up, telling myself, today is the day, Nehemiah. Today is the day that you will make the ask. Today is the day that you will go before the king and ask something that is so crazy, so unfathomable, that who knows if he will even go for it. I was just so full of emotion. The news about my brother, my family, my city, my people. Day after day, week after week, for months now, it broke me. It took everything inside of me to, to just stop the weeping in the morning. And I didn't know if I'd be able to really hold myself together. I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of the king. Well, the, the walk to the king's quarters it was a little bit slower that day because I was on a mission. With every step that I took, with every breath that I took, there was a prayer that went along with it. That God, if this is your will, Lord, if this is your plan, if this is your desire, if this is your vision for this community, for your people, if this is what you want to see happen, then Lord, then you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do something crazy because I can't. That I cannot convince the king to, to do this of what you're asking. That you are going to have to move. As I got closer, I wiped the tears from my face. Took one last big breath. And I said a final prayer. I pushed open those giant ornate doors and I walked up and I took my seat right next to the king. Just like it was any other day. And it, and it kind of started out just like any other day, to be honest. There was some light banter amongst the rest of the cabinet. Uh, you know, there were a few decisions that, that people brought forth to us that, you know, they didn't take very long to go through. And, and then, of course, there was the obligatory visit from the queen herself right before lunchtime. But all the while, I didn't really say very much. I was a little more quiet than normal. 
My mind was a little preoccupied, of course. Because with every second that ticked by, tick, tock, tick, tock. With every conversation that passed, with every moment that rolled on, we were getting closer to lunchtime. <laughs> Which meant that I was getting closer to stepping out in this faith. And then it came right on schedule, actually. No surprise, because the king, he was a man of order. He was a man of schedule, a man of discipline. And the servants, they brought in this, this table full of the, the biggest, the vastest amount of luxury that you could ever imagine to consume. And having done this hundreds of times over, having done this because, well, it was what I was hired to do. It was my job as the cupbearer to the king. I got up from my seat, and I, and I approached the table. I poured myself a little bit of wine. I grabbed a few morsels from all the edible options. I took a swig. I ate all the pieces, and, and I waited a few moments. And having decided that it was safe for the king, I did what I was hired to do. I, I filled up his goblet, and I, and I put the food onto his plate. Then I took it to my seat right next to the king, and I handed it over to him. See, I took the wine, I gave it to the king. But you know what? I had not been sad in his presence before. And then it happened. It, it took me off guard. It sh sent a shudder down my spine. He said a few words, albeit they were, they were very kind words. They were very nice words, but they, they caught me off guard. The, the king, he, he looked at me, and he leaned in, and he just kind of said, Nehemiah, are, are you all right? You don't look to be ill. Why is your face so sad? But I said to the king, why does your face look so sad, he said to me, when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid. I mean, was it that obvious? Could my face just not hide my pain and my hurt any longer? Was it that clear that there was something going on inside of me, stirring me to the point of, of just being uncomfortable? Did he knew that something was up, that something was different about me? And it's in that moment that I, that I kind of caught myself. I try to snap myself out of it. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what are you doing? You've got this, this circle of comfort. You are the cupbearer to the king. You sit at his right hand. You get to eat of all of his luxuries. You get all of the glory, all of the wealth, with none of the responsibility. Get it together, man, or else he's just going to kick you out anyways. What are you doing? And so, so in that moment, I did the only thing that, that really came to mind. I just kind of shouted, long live the king, hoping that something would come out next. But what came out next was really the turmoil in my heart, this heartache, this heartbrokenness that was no longer just conviction, but it actually became a heart change, stirring me to do something. Without thinking, I just let it all out. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? Where the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins. 
and its gates have been destroyed with fire. You know what, King? You're right. I'm not sick. I'm heartbroken. I've been heartbroken for some time since my brother came a few months back and told us about my city. Well, I love you, King, and I love what you've done for me and for my people. In fact, I, I like your city a lot. But this city is not my city. Your people are not my people. For my city has been set aside by my God, the city of Jerusalem and the country of Judah, been set aside by him for us. That is why my face looks like this. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I couldn't believe it. Was I really just going to give all of this up? Was I really going to leave being the, the cupbearer to the king for what, being a little too emotional? I mean, to think that, that he saw it on my face, like, I, I couldn't even hide it. It was, it was bothering me so much, and yet I kind of just knew it, it had to come out. But for some reason, what I was about to ask just seemed unfathomable. Here it is, it's so obvious, and yet he actually is going to let us go, and I was going to ask him to pay for it too. There's no way that he would ever go through with this. Did I really just throw away everything I had worked so hard for? And then his eyes, his eyes, they stared at me, piercing into my soul. He put down his goblet, and he leaned forward out of his throne, and he took one step in front of me. I'll be honest with you, I was nervous. I was scared what was going to happen next. I just ruined my life. I just ruined everything I had worked for. I was reconsidering, maybe I shouldn't have said it. Maybe, maybe I was just being too emotional. Maybe this conviction and this heartache in me actually wasn't, wasn't God stirring me to do something. Maybe I was just getting a little overwhelmed with it all. But you know what? I had to say it. I had to do it because I know God's vision. I know his heart for his community and for people. And he had stirred this in me for so long that it was time for me to finally act. So I don't, I don't know. All I knew was that something was wrong, that something was broken, that somebody had to do something. And I was convinced that God was saying, Nehemiah, you are that somebody to do something. And with the king standing in front of me, he reached out his hand and he placed it on my shoulder. And what came out of his mouth next not just changed my life, but changed the entire course of history for my people, the Jewish people. He looked up to me and he said, how can I help? So when the king, he said to me, what is it that you want? 
Well, I had to take a step back. Wait, 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 wait. What just happened? Did the king really hear my heartfelt cry? Did he see the burning desire with him in, in me? Did he notice that this heartache, this heartbreak that turned to a heart change that was causing me to step out of my comfort zone, asking something of faith, did he really lean in and ask himself, how can I help? There's no way. There's no way that this king of a foreign nation who doesn't even believe in God was asking how he could help restore this community that God had attended. But it was at that specific moment, it was at that moment that I knew that this wasn't just a vision anymore. That it had become a reality. It had become a plausible cause it was a tangible movement of us, of the people of God. So then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, Well, how long will your journey take, and, and when? Will you be back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king, he granted my request. And so I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and I gave them the king's letters. And get this, the king had also sent an army of officers and a cavalry with me. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. The king, he, he actually went for it. Not in a million billion years would I have believed that this would actually happen. But oftentimes, I forgot one simple truth. This was God's heart. This was God's vision. And all I had to do was to, to be faithful, to step up, to step out. It was tough. I know I sure didn't want to. But somebody had to do something. But I mean, why would I leave the right hand of the king? Nobody would have blamed me probably if I just stayed put. Nobody would have held it against me if I just stayed the cupbearer for year after year after year. It was comfortable. It was cozy. I had the riches. I had the wealth. I had the definition of success in this life and that nobody would have held it against me if I just stayed in that circle of comfort. I mean, who even knew years down the road what awaited me if I had just stayed there? But that's when I remembered that honoring God is more valuable to me than my comfort. doesn't mean it wouldn't be easy 
doesn't mean it would be without pain or turmoil, but honoring God is more valuable to me than holding on to my comfort. So when the king stirred this within me months ago, the heartache that became heart change, I knew that I had to do something. It's what's led us here today. It's led us to this point in which we are coming back trying to recruit people to see if they will come with us. And let me tell you, when, when we got to Jerusalem the first time, the, the news didn't do it justice. That the wall was in even more shambles than we had imagined. The gates were even further gone, broken down, burned than we had ever hoped. I had a couple thoughts. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe let's just go somewhere else. Let's just start over. Let's, let's put down some new roots in a different, different place. Maybe, should I just go back to the king and fall on my knees and beg him, please just let me live as one of your servants. You don't even have to give me my old job back, but just let me live as one of your people. Maybe, maybe I should just give up. This seems a little too crazy. This seems like it's not going to work. All of those thoughts, those thoughts, they're like a puff of smoke. They were hebel in my mind, in one ear, out the other. Why? It's because this was my city. You are my people. And we are led to do this by our God. In a weird way, we got some opposition. If we've learned anything from our ancestors, that, that as we are moving forward, if there's no opposition, then it's maybe not meant what God has designed it to do. I mean, Tobiah and Samballot, man, they were so mad when they heard the news that we came back and that somebody was actually helping us out. Oh, they weren't, they weren't happy, but, but we knew in some way that, that this was the righteous and the obedient thing to do. You see, when Samballat the, the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official, when they heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. So why do I share with you my story? Why do I tell you about what we've gone through about my heartache, my heart change? Why should you join me in leaving behind your circle of comfort, what you have, to go after this community, to do something radical, to step out in faith? Well, it's because impact cannot happen in the circle of comfort. That if you feel God moving and stirring in you, if you feel that God is saying, you need to return home, you need to go to Jerusalem, you need to do something for this community and see it put back together, that I have given you a plan, that I have given you a purpose to see this to fruition, it's going to get a little uncomfortable. It's going to require you stepping out of your comfort zone to come back with us to see this happen. So that's my question. Are you willing? Are you willing? 
to leave behind this city, to leave behind the king? Are you willing to come back with us? Are you willing to go to a place, to go and rebuild a city, to rebuild a wall, but it's so much more than a city. It's so much more than a wall. Are you willing to rebuild a community that God has set apart to be the people that he's called us to be, to make a difference in this world? Because if there's anything that we know, if there's anything that we've learned from our ancestors and some of the prophets, that the greatest impact is made when the people of God move when no one else wants to. That when everyone else wants to stay seated, when everyone else wants to remain in their comfort, that we were the ones who said we will step out. Because God led us, because God has given us this vision, we're heading back to restore the community, to change a community, that his heart longs for. So what do we learn about the story of Nehemiah? What can we take from the story of Nehemiah as we look to move forward? As a church, as individual believers, of people trying to figure out what is it that God requires of me. What do we see from the story of Nehemiah that could really propel us forward? See, the series, I Heart My Community, is about moving us beyond a place of comfort to a place in which it's going to require us to probably be a little uncomfortable. But we don't do it because a few people stand on a stage and say, you ought to. We do it because that's what God calls us to do. That there are people in your life, there are places in your life, there are organizations in your life, that there are things in your community that break your heart. You see them, you witness them, you work with them, you pour into them. But has it gone from a point of heartache and heartbreak to a point of heart change in your life? To which you are willing to step up and step out of your circle of comfort to do something radical for God. See, pursuing the community God intends, it requires heartbreak. It's got to start here with heartbreak. Because I'm going to beg to differ that if your heart isn't broken, if your heart isn't aching for something, there's a very slim chance that you're actually going to want to do it. And so if your heart isn't aching or breaking, I want to ask you, well, well, why not? You see, Nehemiah gave us the example when when he said to God, God, break my heart for what breaks your, show me your vision, show me your purpose, show me your intention, show me what it is that your heart longs and desires for my community. It's got to start with some heartbreak, some heartache that's going to lead us to heart change. That when we look at what God's vision, God's lens for what humanity could be, for cities, for towns, for your community, for people groups, for issues, for justice, and we look at reality and we look at the the difference between those two, we look at the break, it should stir in us that somebody's got to be the somebody to do something. And why not you? I mean, Jesus, when he was with his, his 
his closest friends, he was with his disciples, and he looked at the entire crowd, and he said, what do you see on these people? And they were all just kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) You're Jesus, you tell us. And he said, what I see in these people, they're like sheep without a shepherd. We need to be shepherds for our community. Pursuing the community God intends, it requires heartbreak. It has to start there, but then it needs to go further. Pursuing the community God intends, it requires, it requires stepping out. A lot of us, myself included, we, we kind of draw this circle of comfort around our lives, don't we? And we stay within arm's reach of the things that we can control, the things that we know make us happy, the things that, that really keep us in, in a realm where it doesn't require too much of us. Certain people, certain places, certain things, certain opportunities, but we kind of draw a circle and we'll get close to the line. But how many times do we actually step outside of that line? How many times do we really jump over the line saying, God, I don't know what what is across this line. In fact, it scares me to death because this seems crazy. This makes me so uncomfortable. I don't know how it's going to end, but guess what, God? I trust that when I jump out of my circle of comfort into a place of discomfort, that there, that you will provide me a supernatural comfort that only comes from you. See, things of faith, movements, impacting the community, it's got to seem a little crazy. It's got to it's got to seem a little off the wall. It's got to seem so impossible that the only way for it to happen is for God to show up. And just like Nehemiah. Wait, God, you want me to go back to Jerusalem? You you do know that that city's burnt down. <laughs> You do know that all the people are gone, that there's none of us left. We're we're exiled, we're scattered everywhere. And God, you, you do realize that we broke. <laughs> how, how, how do you expect to do this? And that's when God says, just step out in faith. Because I've got this king. You're going to become a cupbearer. You're going to gain his ear. And then over time, you're going to ask him, not just to let the people go to give you the manpower, not just provide you the resources to build the city and the wall and the temple and even your own house. Don't worry, Nehemiah, I'm going to take care of you. But guess what? He's going to up the ante. He's going to provide an army, a cavalry, to protect you on your way back to the city. Pursuing the community that God intends, it requires us stepping out. See, it's the biggest moments of discomfort in which we find the comfort of God. Scripture's clear. Brokenness is where we find But lastly, pursuing the community God intends, it requires faith. It requires faith. It has to sound crazy. It has to have enemies that are trying to stop it. It has to be unfathomable. And it's going to require a step. That somebody has to be thinking, there's no way that you could do this. There is no way that somebody should want to do this. Why on earth would you give up your time, your talents, your treasure? Why would you go to that person, to that place, to that organization? Why, 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 why? It's because in those moments of faith is when the impact gets made. 
As we're moving to a time of response this morning. What is it in your life that God is stirring? What is it in your heart that breaks? Who is it in your life that you see, that you know about, does your heart ache for day after day, week after week, month after month? The church is called to be a people that make a difference in this world. Jesus, he looked at his disciples and he had summed up all of the law into two commandments and then he summed it down into one commandment in which he said, this is what I want you to do, to love people as I have loved you. There's no distinction on who those people are. There's no distinction on what that requires us to do. There's no distinction on whether or not you should remain comfortable So when I think about Nehemiah, I can't help but think of Jesus. That God had this intended community, relationship with all mankind. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the world to live in shalom with him, a perfect, harmonious relationship. And that relationship was broken because of sin. For century after century, it got better, but not quite there. And so finally... Jesus, who was God, took the biggest step outside of comfort, because I'm going to guess it's probably pretty comfortable being God at times, and became a man. God became a man, but he became a man to take on the weight of our sin, our shame, our brokenness, to look at people, to care for them, to command love for them, and say they are like sheep without a shepherd. He faced even more discomfort. At the end of his life, he was beaten. He was mocked. He was unfairly accused, and he took on that brokenness, that shame, and he was died on a cross. So he could take on the discomfort of our life, the discomfort of our sin, if you will. And then Jesus went to the grave, and he rose again three days later, and then he says, now go into the world, teaching people, about all I have commanded. And what is it that Jesus commanded his disciples just a few days earlier? To love people as I have loved them. That Jesus pursued the ultimate discomfort so that he could give us comfort in our relationship with God that would stir us to move out of our earthly comfort into discomfort to see lives transformed. So whether that's Nehemiah, whether that's Jesus, whether that's you today, that loving your community, your heartache, your heartbreak has to become a heart change that asks you to step out of your circle of comfort to do something radical for God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your word. But more importantly, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who took on the ultimate discomfort, the ultimate sacrifice to deliver us new life. 
May we be people, may we be a church that lives that message forward. Be with us this morning. Be with us this week. Be with us this month, this year. Be with us every moment of our lives. Stir in us, not just heartbreak, not just heartache, not just conviction, but change our hearts to the point which we can't help but do something. It's your name that we pray. Amen. Every week we get the opportunity to remember that discomfort that Jesus took on himself for us. We call that communion. And there are stations throughout the room. And at these stations there's a little cracker and a little bit of juice that represent the body of Christ that was broken for you and the blood of Christ that was spilt for you. So as the band gets ready to lead us in worship again, whenever you're ready, whenever you feel led, we invite you that if you have said yes to Jesus, if you have said, Jesus, your discomfort on the cross has made me right with God, we invite you to partake in communion with us as a local body this morning. There are prayer benches at the front of this, this stage here. And maybe during this time that God is stirring something in you and you need to go to God in prayer and say, God, be with me, be with these people. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a place, maybe it's a thing. But if God is stirring in you, don't wait to ask him what it is that he wants for you to do. We also talk about responding to God. Maybe you're new with us and you're checking out this church and you want to know more. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you just want to say, I want to be involved. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone and find out more. You can write down on that connection card any information you feel is appropriate. And there's give and respond boxes across the rooms at the doors. So during this time of worship or as you leave, we invite for you to drop that connection card, drop that offering in if you brought it with you this morning. But may we be a people that is willing to step outside of our comfort zone to worship our Lord. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship this morning?